A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome to the H&J Daily, which this afternoon features the book club later than uh, usual. We normally do it on a Tuesday. Luke Moore was here. And we looked at the books of George Plimpton and one in particular. I hope you enjoy that. We had a chat. Martin Kellner, squad number nine, was here with a week of sport on TV. Enjoy. It was the World Window Cleaning Championship. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. No, I went. I went to the presentation ceremony where the top prize was given by the former window cleaning skier, Shami Orcott. That's nice. Thank that's you. nice. Music provided by the Squeegees. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you and good night. If, who else turned up? <laughs> if you've got any you. other names from the world of sport and showbiz <laughs> or indeed life that turned up? At the uh, window cleaning <laughs> World Cup, it really did take place. Um, we haven't, we really haven't got room for him today. But Terry Turbo Edwards uh, was hoping to win. He kept his speed record. Terry, sixty-three, took on fifteen other window cleaners. But the prize went to the American Jeremiah Hickey. He took the window cleaning World Cup. Uh, seventeen minutes. Sorry, seventeen. Seventeen point two seconds. <laughs> seventeen minutes. Be pushing it a bit. And uh, the Swede Jimmy Strom was second. Terry lost on penalties, but I think uh, we, we owe it to our listeners to, to do the world. We'll do it next week. I mean, we're still into. We want to find week. out more. But in the meantime, who uh, are the, the comment, stars well, that turned up? We'd producer to... said the commentator was Nigel Ladderley. That's it. That's all. <laughs> that's, that's very good. good, isn't it? I like that. Yeah. So keep those coming. Talking of that, just, just some of the people that have turned up the window cleaning World Cup. I did like the squeegees. That was very good. Thank you very much. As you know, listeners, uh, we are on the 17th floor. It's been, you've been told quite a lot, but yeah. I went and had a look at the shard, talking of window cleaners, and the the, the people who clean the windows in the shard, yeah. you know, they're in that sort of, oh, I wouldn't do that, not for me. I admire them, actually. That is a really frightening job. I mean, you know, you've got, there's just you and a sort of little basket with some ropes. You're a little it. basket. Oh, they, uh, <laughs> but they are, um, you know, they're highly trained, these boys. They know what they're doing, don't oh, they? Oh, yeah, I suppose they are. Yeah. Oh, highly trained. You've got vertigo, though. You'd be the last person. <laughs> no. I mean, you wouldn't go up a ladder outside your house, no. let alone That's very true. outside the show. Talking that PSG thing, I watched yeah. the game. We're going to talk about that later, yeah. Eric yeah. Bilderman joins us from uh, Le Keep. It's a bizarre story, especially as the... The PSG, the club, have kind of supported those 50 Herberts who turned up yesterday. Herbears who turned yeah, up yesterday. Did. I don't know. What, I mean, the sort of people that went to Kingstonian to watch that game last night, you know, they wouldn't have put up much of a fight. It was elderly people and young people. There wasn't a lot of ultra Chelsea ultras at the game. No, but, uh, who are the Chelsea Actually, it was a full, full house. And uh, it was great a very result for Chelsea, wasn't it? Great result for Chelsea. Yeah. And a very it's interesting real. match in as much as it very much resembled a men's Champions League game. It was very tight. It was sort of both teams pressing, both teams kind of under pressure and giving the ball away for 
75 minutes then Hannah Blundell scored a brilliant goal yeah. and broke the deadlock and then Chelsea got one on the counter because PSG had to go for it it was a really good I thought, yeah the, Aaron, uh, the last Aaron 20 Cuthbert, minutes were brilliant wasn't it? It, yeah. was a good, it was a good ball yeah. good first touch because how often do you see Honestly, a first touch it, it, take the ball away Very and good, the goalkeeping is definitely it was something that you could level at women's football yeah. the goalkeeping was never particularly up to standard in the early days but mm. nowadays I mean Anne I made a note of her name Anne Katrinberger what a save from Amy Lawrence not the Guardian football writer well, I you know, I'm sure she could still it. play but um, so, Nigel yeah, Adderley or Nigel Ladderley who's yeah. commentating at the window yeah. uh, World Cup has been in touch and he said uh, former Cracker Jack presenter Peter Glaze would have loved to have been there but of course he would just some of the people that love to have gone to the window cleaning there. World Cup it's a fascinating and story. Uh, Sean in Derby says of course uh, f- uh, Madness frontman Suds Suds is <laughs> uh, just one of the people that be at the window cleaning World Cup there was um, an amazing story about Gemma Collins. She's teamed up with uh, super producer Naughty Boy, Naughty Boy yeah. to an, un- launch an unlikely career. Think, What's this all about and everything? And he's really singing her praises. He's comparing it to Beyonce. They're both definitely up there in terms of glamour. And you think, what are you talking about? So I think people would be surprised when they hear Gemma's voice. And then you, you read on it says, Naughty Boy, whose own new song Undo, featuring Callum Scott, is out today. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing, no disrespect, Gemma, you may have a fantastic voice, but I'm guessing she'll be auto-tuned within an inch of her life. I'd say so. Really, I think you're you're very little of the original session, I think, will actually go to uh, go out. You you might be right. Somebody who can sing, though, is, of course, Rita Ora. Oh, yeah, uh, what a voice. What a voice. I forgot to tell you, Jim Shelley got in touch, but we'd missed it. By the time I saw Jim's uh, text, she did an Ask Rita the other day really for her fans and I knew you should have got oh, in touch yeah, I should have got in touch I know with you're a big fan well you're I'm a big fan and well, there's an opportunity I think opening up for me because uh, Rita's decided to get back with her ex Andrew Watt after a short lived romance with actor Andrew Garfield so she surely likes, well, she likes the Andrews people called Andrew you know, yeah. they've got to be in there haven't they so. well I don't know I think, I think, I'm not sure about that Andy <laughs> Really? I'm sure the wife would be too pleased. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> also, you know, it's, uh, it's just a coincidence that she went out with two blokes called Andrew. No, it doesn't just necessarily mean everybody. Do you want a quick bit of planning news? Andrew is irresistible to read Aurora. Yeah, go on then. Planning news. Vincent Company has been granted permission, despite objections, to build 75 flats. Nice, yeah. Yeah, criticism from Historic England, but uh, they passed it and said it was well designed and well thought out. I know you like a bit of planning news. I do like planning news. It's a bit of a staple (laughs) these days, uh, trawling the planning news uh, for stories. And uh, we got anything else? Yes. um, Surrey batsman Will Jacks hit 37 off one over. Yes, Uh, Surrey, uh, Lancashire Bar, I've forgotten his name now. But I can lay claim to that too. We played in a match when I went for 37 off one over. You did. Uh, Franklin Rose, the former West Indies. I mean, to be fair, it was a former West Indies player. No, he was. And I was bowling my offspin. It was not the same as my my sort of seam up, which is so deadly. Six sixes and a no ball. Yeah. Six sixes and a wide. And a wide. Exactly the same thing. Six sixes and a wide. The new film, of course, uh, <laughs> coming out yeah, soon. Six Sixes and a Wide, kind of cricket-themed love story. <laughs> and a, and a, finally, a nice bit of a tabloid thesaurus. Oh, yeah. We always like that when you have you can't use the word twice. So yeah. this is a story about orange juice. A daily glass of orange juice could cut the risk of life-threatening strokes by almost a quarter. Mm. Other fruit juices appear to have similar benefit. Great. The zingy liquids. <laughs> if Lockbing, I've who's got ever called fruit juice I've a got zingy liquid? <laughs> that kind of very early punk. Style, it? One, two, three, four. Um, and who, who else would love to have been at the window cleaning World Cup? Just some of the people you've been telling us about. Mm. Uh, of course, says Jim Barry, the toothy comedian Rob Bucket would have loved to have been 
at the Window Cleaning World Cup. And if uh, Roger Clifford <laughs> says the ambient music uh, <laughs> played at the awards would have been by Philip Glass, of, of course. course. Very good. That's quite esoteric by Roger there. Text 81089, uh, tweet TSH and J for just some of the people that were at the uh, Window Cleaning World Cup. It did play, take place. We've not made this up. Uh, anyway, he's a big QPR fan, Philip Glass. Did you know that? That's true. I'm not making that as a joke. I thought he's... it was Michael Nyman who was the. No, what... I'm sure it's Philip Glass, isn't it? No, I don't think it is. Isn't it? Or was it, or is it somebody else? <laughs> and now I've got to check now. Yeah, that's right. It's all gear. It doesn't. Does it matter? I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine the fans it's, singing these it... obscure songs. Hello, Nyman. That's what I was, whenever I see him at Loftus Road, give him one of those. I'm going to check whether it's Philip Glass. Okay, I'm putting it grand. I'm not really. I don't bet like that. Although we have got the racing on once again this afternoon. I, I know. I, I know you love the three thirty from Muscle, bro. <laughs> You've got it bad. Hawksby and Jacobs Book Club on Talk Sport. Yes, time for the book club. Every week uh, we look at uh, a different book and hopefully get you in the mood to go and pick it up and try it mm. yourselves. We'll be taking your recommendations as we go along. If you've read any of the books we're going to discuss, because we're going to really talk about the author and focus on one book, but he wrote a number of fine sports books. The guy called George Plimpton, and uh, here to tell us more about him and, and his work. Uh, Luke Moore is back, of course, uh, from the season ticket and from the football ramble. Good to see you, Luke. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's kind of set the scene, because Plimpton yeah. himself is quite an interesting bloke, isn't he? Yeah, very much so. So he he, he was a sort of protagonist and, and, and a proponent of this, what he would call participatory journalism, which before Hunter S. Thompson coined the term gonzo journalism, where you, the, the writer themselves sort of implants himself into the environment and becomes one of the protagonists. And, of course, Tom Wolfe did it as well. George Plimpton was the guy who did it for sport. And although he's relatively unknown over this side of the Atlantic, in the US he is really seen as one of the great sports writers, if not the great sports writer. Uh, and he covered a number of different um, sports. So in 1958, for example, he pitched against a Major League Baseball team in a game, in a post-season exhibition game, and then wrote about it for, for Sports Illustrated and then, and then changed that into a book called Out of My League. He also... Um, <laughs> he, he sparred against the great Archie Moore mm. and the great Sugar Ray Robinson. So we're talking about the, the number three and number one pound-for-pound boxers of all time, according to Ring Magazine, <laughs> uh, and wrote about that in a book which then was called, I think called Shadow Box, uh, a bit later on. Um, he was a guy who just put himself at the centre of everything. He, made, he just thought, what, what way can I, as an everyman, and of course he was a very talented writer, but as an everyman and a layman in terms of sport, how can I give readers the definitive experience of what it's like to yeah. actually be there? And clearly it would be very difficult to do that in, in modern times because of the professionalisation of sport and the continued sort of, um, you know, aloofness, I guess, within within each sport. But he was able to do it. And, and, and to me, his writing and his, and his delivery... Is, is just so immersive. I mean, mm. it's insightful, it's immersive in a way that really, it's very difficult. You guys, before we come on air, we'll give, give a couple of examples. I'm sure you can shed some more light. But it's hard to think of a comparative writer these days, I would say. Yeah. They said, mm. well, well, we'll look at the... There was somebody gave a nod too, but he's an interesting guy, really. He's kind of this sort of urbane, Ivy League type, went to yeah. Harvard, yeah. was probably expected to go in the, the family law firm, yeah. but it took the journalistic route, <clears throat> as yeah. mates with Hemingway, didn't just write about sport, wrote about lot of other stuff as well yeah um so in fact you kind of explained what his books were about but he was interviewed certainly he, he died in 2003 and um he, he gave an interview a few years before his death and he kind of talked about what these sports books and, and why he wrote them this is what he had to say 
And it was really this, this, this very, very basic idea. You know, 60,000 people go and watch a football game, they all sit up there in the stands, and yet you wonder what's going on there in the, in the huddle. What are they saying to each other? What are they talking about along the bench? What goes on in a locker room just before the game? What's it like after a game when you've lost? And the only way you can get in there is to be a great athlete yourself. Um, chances are that are rather obscure. Or you can find some way as a reporter to work it out so that you can become a part of this for a while. And that was what my idea was. Yeah, that mm. was... Uh, quite posh, wasn't he? Yeah. Amazing said, voice. He's the sort of mm. bloke you'd see walking around the Hamptons with a kind of uh, a jumper knotted over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. But he, he also admits he had a bit of a nod to a writer called Paul Gallico who'd done some of that very similar work before he did. Gallico, uh, he went and sparred with Jack Dempsey. He played golf with Bobby Jones. And he caught Dizzy Dean's fastball, famous baseball player, and he would probably tell us more about him. So he, he'd kind of gone down that route. He wrote a book about Lou Gehrig. So he'd read a lot about sport, and he said, he looked at what Gallico did, and he thought, well, why is no one's really doing that now? Can I kind of take that on to another level? Uh, and he, he covered a number of sports, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, I was very close to bringing a book called The Bogeyman to the table, which is where he spent... I mean, he found, a, he found a lot of time to do things in the 60s, by the way. Pretty much everything happened in the 60s. He found mm. the time to, to spend a month on the PGA Tour, and he and he entered and was, was accepted into three, I think, pro-am events. And at one point, he... Um, and, and it's really just about the characters within the sport, and he's a sort of moderate golfer himself, but he gets across and puts across this idea that golf is the ultimate sort of mercurial sport. One minute, you're quite good at it, the next day, you don't know what you're doing. He talks about the psychology of it. At one point, I think he plays either just behind or just in front the great Arnold Palmer. And it has to deal with Arnie's army and he crosses paths with Jack Nicholas and all the rest of it. And there's a fantastic bit in it where he's trying to master this... this he, he seems to think if he plays at his very best as a golfer he can sort of not embarrass himself in front of all these people right yeah. but psychologically he's just not in control of his own mind in any way and he thinks every time he steps onto the tee he gets to this point where he can't stop thinking about anything else than um, a group of Japanese navy men taking over his brain uh, <laughs> to stopping him hitting the golf ball and, and, and it's, a, it's a great quote he sees himself after a while in this book The Bogeyman when he's stepping up on the tee he's an amateur he's got a pro with him there's crowds of people there and he says, I felt like a monstrous manned colossus poised high over the golf ball. He just, he just lost everything about it. And so that's a really good way of, of, of uh, finding out about what it was like to not just be a golfer in the 60s, but what came along with it, the caddies who were real characters back then, of course, the travel between events and, 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 and really what, what made the great golfers tick. So really, he immersed himself in a number yeah. of different sports. And as you said, Paul, not just sports either. I think he spent a bit of time for, a, for maybe Vanity Fair as trying to be a circus high wire act that's right yeah. as well yeah so he really did sort of live he was it. mates with Edie Sedgwick and got to know um, Warhol and all these sort of, yeah. he was kind of a real man of the time you know? well and not only that you know there, there was um, someone wrote a retrospective on him again I think either in Vanity Fair or the Washington Post or something like that yeah. said he had a knack of being around big offence when it happened someone described him as an intellectual Forrest Gump to the point where he was standing next to Robert Kennedy when he was assassinated and literally disarmed and subdued the attacker. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, and so he he just found himself at the crossroads yeah. of all these amazing historical he, it, events. Do you know April Falls mm. is coming? Sorry, Paul. Yeah. April Falls is coming up soon, and he is responsible for probably one of the greatest April Falls 
sort of japes in print mm. yeah. had ever happened. He fooled all of the Sports Illustrated audience by coming up with this baseball player. He had the help of the New York Mets. And, and basically this guy called Sid Finch, who was apparently a practising Buddhist, he wore this heavy boot on one foot. And he had this whole... He invented this whole thing about this guy, this new fabulous picture, and everybody <laughs> bought into it. And it, it turned out, and then he wrote a book about it, about Sid Finch. So he That's had right, it. he made this character mm. up, didn't he? The uh, on the golf front, I mean, it was a fantastic era. And uh, yeah. except he got, except Harry Varden was playing, and uh, and he talks about Arnie's army and yeah. the thing that we always kind of link to Tiger, the madness of Tiger, and people following yeah. the golfer getting on the greens before the the players finish yeah. playing. But they were doing that around oh, yeah, Arnie's, Arnie's army. That complete mayhem around that. He wrote about that as well. It's still, still, by the way, Arnie's Army is still a a really busy. Yeah, website and like group really? of fans still really? the great Arnold Palmer who's obviously now passed away people are still enthusiastic about him because they're still a, a really good sure they didn't switch to the website. Barmy army yeah, maybe yeah um, <laughs> where do we come from it's a, it's a great <laughs> Florida mainly <laughs> we've moved to Miami because we're in our 80s <laughs> it's yeah. a great zero um, percent income tax um, it's a great um, it's a great 60 uh, sort of 60s era as well not just for the golfers but at the time I mean I think I think these two events are still on the PGA Tour but there's the Bob Hope Classic and the Bing Crosby Classic but at the time these guys are actually entertaining people there so it's like yeah. it's not just a golf event it's like an amazing social event as well and the people he brushes shoulders with and he spends time in the car with incredible characters I mean he spends a bit of time with the great Walter Hagen the great golfer of the 1920s who sadly is near the end of his life at that point mm. but just the insight he gets he takes two or three days out spends it with these mostly black jazz fan uh, caddies as well who have got their own superstitions or anything going on how they like to pair up with certain golfers to get certain amounts of money it's just a fascinating account and mm. I was very close to bringing that it's called the bogeyman yeah, to today but mm. we settled on paper line which we'll talk about in a little we are yeah, we're going to talk about yeah. paper line in, in a moment because he is, as Luke was saying he tried his hand he pitched in the all-star game and uh, he he basically wanted to get um, ensconced in, in, in an American football team and, and had some trouble tried a few and they wouldn't let him in but yeah. Uh, thankfully, the Detroit Lions did. And they made a film of it. We'll have a little excerpt of the film as well. Alan Alder, you know, from MASH, was in, yeah. in the movie and paid Plimpton. So we'll play, play a little bit of that and talk more. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. 
Yeah, me too. With the Olive and June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're midway through the book club uh, with uh, Luke Moore, and we've been discussing the work of uh, George Plimpton. I don't know if we added uh, actor to that list. He's in Goodwill <laughs> Hunting. I mean, he's in. I didn't know yeah, that. He's in a bunch of different films. Was he as playing well. that? One of my I, think, I think he's got a, a, quite a minor role. I think I've got that right. Yeah, he's mm. got a minor role in that film. He ends up. He turns up in a bunch of different movies. Uh, as an actor, he was in Lawrence of Arabia as an uncredited, uncredited Bedouin. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. What a life! This is yeah, yeah, right. it's amazing. I'm trying to think of some of the other movies he's been in. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been in a bunch of different. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting. He plays the psychologist Henry Lipkin. Right there we are. There we so anyway, we we do you we know turn, what? Yeah. I I know the scene. He plays the scene, and and Damon and Matt Damon's character Will Hunting. It's when he has a, an aborted, uh, lots of different psychiatrists that he sees, and he's one of them. And Matt Damon's character tries to make out that he's a suspect type of character. I, I remember it anyway. Good. Yeah, so that's a revelation to me. Also turns out as himself in When We Were Kings, which I think a lot of the sure. sport listeners would have seen. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we move on then in detail to the book we're going to discuss, which is Paper Lion. Uh, when he basically uh, joined up with the Detroit. Lions and try yeah. out with him. So in 1963, George Plimpton <laughs> is 36 years old, so not a spring chicken in terms of professional athleticism. Yeah. Uh, but he manages to convince the Detroit Lions um, to... Well, he manages to convince the coaching staff and I think the team doctor to allow him to train with, with, with the squad. They, they don't tell the players. All the players know is that this is a guy who's come along and he's trying out as the third-string quarterback. Mm. And that sort of works okay for the first... All the sort of... Um, the, the rituals of the, the, the finding the locker room and the team meetings and all the rest of it. And the fitness work is not necessarily too bad. But then, of course, um, as soon as he gets involved and... <laughs> gets involved in the actual scrimmaging and, and they, they, they sort of realise straight away. But as a sort of curiosity, they sort of agree to let him continue and he then just it becomes a, a presence around around the, around the group and around the team. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the idea is to let him at some point play um, a series of different downs in, a, in an exhibition match, essentially. Um, and, he, you know, we'll come to this shortly, but he eventually does do that. But, but, but what, what he does is he, he really gets under the fingernails of the superstitions around the team, what type of characters the players are. He gets to know them as people. And he does a really good job, actually, of ingratiating himself with the squad, despite the fact they all know he isn't an athlete. He never will be an athlete. Yeah. Uh, uh, yet they still sort of <clears> accept <throat> him. And, and Joe Schmidt, who was a great um, player for the Lions, I think he might have gone on to coach the Lions as well, said, said the following. He said, he tried to blend in with the rest of the team, but after a while you could just see that George wasn't much of an athlete. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to figure that one out. You're in training camp and you're all pretty good football players. And George comes along and he's sort of emaciated looking you know he's not too physical of a specimen and he can't throw the ball more than 15 yards so so, so but, they, but having said that they, they do kind of accept him and, and they do understand that he's an intelligent guy and he can understand the plays because 
of course, as we all know, American mm. football is a hugely complicated game when it comes to tactics and plays to be executed and different things to remember. Um, there's some great characters throughout. Um, the, the most notable for me would probably be the great Dick Night Train Lane, yeah. who um, yeah. was a, a defensive back. who of, One of the most famous players in American yeah, football. Him. A player of some brutality as well, Andy, mm. I think you say. I mean, his specialist move was the Night Train necktie, where he used to <laughs> essentially just clothesline people across the head. <laughs> Uh, well. Because he said that if he tackles them around the legs, they sometimes get an extra yard or so, and it really annoys him. <laughs> uh, of course, this is a this is a this is an era of football where the safety concerns around head injuries and all the rest of it, are very serious issues that we talk about a lot when it comes to this sport in the modern day, weren't really on the radar. But Dick Lane was um, actually married to Dinah Washington, yeah, uh, famous great, singer, who may well have sung over the top of Oscar Peterson. We were yeah, they could, they, they, their paths yeah. would have crossed. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. It's got to think about um, Oscar Peterson. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's <laughs> because we played. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit of oh, the yeah. music and, we played. And, and it's actually yeah. quite a tragic story because not. I think around six months after. Dick Night Train Lane marries Dinah Washington. She is found dead yeah. of, of an overdose of prescription pills, wow. uh, and this this occurs while the book's happening. So it, it does go to it does go to some pretty dark places as well. Um, but yeah, the whole thing's building up to about two thirds into the book where he convinces the coaching staff to mm. let him play these five plays. Before yeah. we carry on, they made a movie of it with Alan Orders. We said for, yeah. of, of Mash fame, um, and he played Plimpton. It might be worth playing a little bit of the movie. This was uh, the moment when he because a number of teams knocked him back. Uh, New York Jets, New York Giants, Baltimore Colts. The coaches weren't keen. They didn't want an outsider involved. But he did talk the Detroit Lions into it. And this is the moment. They're in a restaurant with the the head of media uh, and the head coach of the Lions. And uh, the head coach is wondering um, whether he should be trying to uh, get involved in such a key position in the team. Did you ever think about split in instead of quarterback? Well, that's the whole idea, coach. Rookie quarterback trying to make the team. I wouldn't want any special treatment or privileges. I wouldn't even want the players to know that I'm a writer. I even have a cover worked out for myself that I've been playing semi-pro in Canada. Well, the coaching staff would have to know. Oh, sure, the staff. And of course, the doctor. Okay, but that's all. Look, coach, if it's not working out, you can always cut me. All right, you have yourself a deal. There we are. Mm. I'm sure it wasn't that mm. simple, but it, no. uh, a bit of uh, yeah, literary license. But the fact that the NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle got involved and he wouldn't yes. let him play. Yeah, so he did. So in around two thirds into the book, he, he realizes he's going to play five downs. I think that's the plan. He's play five downs in a um, or five plays, if you like, in a uh, exhibition match. And there is a crowd there. Um, and there's a beautiful passage leading up to this where he turns up in the locker room and he gets his shoes out, his, uh, you know, the shoes he's going to wear to play, takes them out the locker. The cleats. I think cleats, he, yeah. yeah. And, and, they feel, and they feel really heavy. And he thinks, what's happening there? These guys, because they all know exactly what he's, what he's after and the kind of guy he is and they know that he's a writer. And, and there's a lot of hijinks and pranks going on in, in the squad, as you can imagine. He picks up his shoes and they feel really heavy. So he goes around to all the other players saying, look, what have you done to my shoes? And everyone's swearing blind. They haven't touched them. And he says, this is ridiculous. I can't play in these shoes. You've, you've ruined my chance and all the rest of it. And, and someone just turns up and says, what you got there is a case of uh, heavy feet, son. It's just all nerves. <laughs> Put them on, you'll be fine. He said, what happens is you get so nervous that your hands, when you're trying to grab hold of the ball and your feet feel so heavy you can't move. He gets into the into the middle of the scrimmage. It's a beautiful passage when he when he's called onto the field and he's and he's got the huddle around him because he's the quarterback, he's calling the shots. And he notices that the finest moment of what it's like to be a professional athlete in his mind is just before the big thing happens. And he says, the pleasure of sport is often the chance to indulge the cessation of time itself. The pitcher door 
dawdling on the mound, the skier poised at the top of a mountain trail, the basketball player with the rough skin of the ball against the palm preparing for a foul shot, or the tennis player at set point over his, op- his opponent, all of them savouring a moment before committing themselves to action. And then I had the sense of a portcullis coming down. <laughs> and, and to cut a long story short, the first day, he's, he's desperate to play a passing play. He wants to get the ball, he wants to drop back out of trouble, and he wants to throw it. They all know he can't throw the ball properly, though, so they convince him to do running plays. And this first play, he gets the ball snapped from the centre. All he's got to do is spin to his left for the running back to come behind him and give it to him. He's so slow that the, 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 the protective defensive player... He doesn't get out of the way quick enough. Defensive protective player bundles him over. Before he can even get the ball to the running back, he's fumbled it. Right. And he loses five yards. And he has absolutely no idea what's happened. <laughs> he, he, just, he just knows instinctively to get on the ball, dive on it, gets up, and he's just, he has no idea what's happened. And it roughly sort of continues like that. I think they lose yards on every down. And, and, and to come back to the NFL commissioner point, he then gets back into a situation where he tries to say to them, if we get into a game in the main in the, in the proper season where we're 50 points ahead, can I come on? And the coach is like, okay, well, we'll think about it. And then, and then the NFL commissioner comes and says, mm. no, you can't do it. It's, it undermines the integrity of our sport. We're not having it and puts a block on it. Mm. Um, but he, but he, he carries on the rest of the right. season. Yeah, 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 yeah. He carries on the rest of the season with the team and, and he's part, very much part of the squad. Can you, I mean, it's hard to imagine getting that kind of access now. We're seeing in TV and yeah. the, the new series on Netflix and various things we're yeah. seeing. I quite we're like getting seeing Martin Lipton as a member of the Spurs well, squad. The idea that someone could go in there and just pass themselves off, you know, yeah. and say to the other players, I can do yeah. this. I mean, you know, with, you, as a football, you'd probably be found, even if you're a good footballer, you go into a pro setup at the For very sure. top. If you go and train with Manchester City, they'll yeah. know you're not a top class pro. I, I think there's a couple of points on that. One is the Sunderland's Low Dying documentary series, for example, is a great example of getting behind the scenes of what's happening. To me, that's nowhere near the same. No, of the, course. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, I believe uh, Max Rushton of, of this parish, mm. um, once did some trials did a trial at a professional club and, he, and he's quite a good footballer Max or he was mm-hmm. and did okay and it's, it I was think the legs are gone now he's yeah, I know he's pro- listening he had so. knee problems but the interesting yeah. thing was that from the footage I saw he seemed to do okay but they, they without being disrespectful to Max who I do like um, they were like, almost like thinking he was like laughably bad so <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the I think the gap is really really big these days yeah. it's so professionalised and especially in NFL in NFL these kids they are playing at arguably as good a level when they're 18, 19 years old at college you know yeah. so it's almost I mean the, 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 the drawbridge has been pulled up the ladder's been pulled up to such an extent it's going to be very difficult I think to ever get anywhere near that again so uh, that's Paper Line the one we focused on there but as we said there's a whole series of sports books uh, by George Plimpton that were reissued a couple of years ago as you said Yellow Jersey Press that's right yes, that's it? right yeah part of Penguin I think, so yeah. if you want to revisit those they are uh, fantastic books whichever sport he covered he did brilliantly and uh, mm. say so was a really fascinating guy wasn't he he was very much mm. a, a product of his time wasn't he that a- sort of absolutely. character immersed himself in his, in his, in his trade and um, I think he uh, he, uh, he said he either said he wanted to be remembered or that he made a comment and saying, look, my art is my life. I take my life, I put myself in these positions and these situations and I write about it and give people an idea. So he really did and put his whole his whole self on the line for his art and that is something that obviously we don't see happen very often and so it's something that is, is, is hugely deserving of respect and what comes out is something that the Guardian say which it said, which is that just made sports writing something that mattered, something that, that, that be up above and beyond what we'd normally expect from someone on the outside observing. He took himself, transported himself into that situation and did it from the inside looking out. Um, Max Rushton has been in charge. He says, Polyfoot, 
Poly Fours versus Civil Service at home tomorrow. If anyone's want, everyone wants to see just how badly the legs have gone. That <laughs> was used to that point. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. might go down there. It's yeah. not far from me. Yeah, though. and everybody, I think, hopefully enjoyed that chat. Although PJ said, I was really looking forward to hearing about the great George Clinton. Oh, sorry, yeah, about yeah. That. but uh, he said it's about the time I got a DAB radio, so no <laughs> Parliament <laughs> funded. Speak to Danny Kelly for. about that. Yeah, that's Friday. It. He'll be up that's for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice one, Luke. Thank you very Thanks, much. Luke. Pleasure. Yeah, Thank really you. That was the book club. Are you? Are we back next Tuesday on our normal day? I believe so. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay, we'll have a new book. We're going to have time to turn that round. Yeah, we'll be fine. Okay, we'll have a new book for you next uh, Tuesday. Because we do read these, we don't blag it. That's right. (laughs) The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. In the meantime, uh, we have a little bit of time. Mm. I'll tell you what, I should let people know that next... that next Tuesday when Luke comes in, we're gonna. If you want to get involved, you've read this book, or you want to maybe check the book out or reread it and get involved in the conversation. Why England lose by Simon Cooper? That's K U P E R. We're going to be uh, looking at that book, which has got some very interesting stuff. Some content. They're losing less than they used to. We don't lose under Gareth. <laughs> That's right. But um, maybe that that in itself will be interesting. But we're going to do that one uh, on Tuesday, returning to football. So. Uh, Andy, do you have anything for us? Well, I'm quite excited about the next race. Uh, <laughs> Are you really? I know you've been. Yeah, you've decided to keep an eye on. Uh, now we've been putting on Sky Racing Link on our field. monitors here. Yes. Yeah, so why, why are you excited? Well, well, tell us what it? you're on, Andy. I think I might be on. Uh, you're remember. not actually putting money on it. If you just, no. just doing it for the sport. Ta- Taverna. Okay, uh, yeah. right. That's nice. Okay, three well, to one favourite. Let's that's see if that so. comes. Anybody can go for the favourites. <laughs> it's Noel, Andy's nap of the day. It's Noel Feely's last race tomorrow. What a brilliant jockey he's yeah. been, and uh, a big fixture at Cheltenham. And uh, the, I was reading this morning. The trainer feels under so much pressure because he's won this race the last two years with this horse, and it, there's no such thing in racing. It is a bumper, but there's no such thing as uh, a sure thing. But as much as this can be and the idea is for Noel to go out on a winner which would be really lovely wouldn't it um, Bruce Mellington uh, from the Racing Post said uh, over the years that he'd known Noel um, mm. when they'd spoken to him for the Post he'd never been sort of irascible or short tempered or, or difficult and he said so we never actually had the opportunity to have the headline touchy feely <laughs> they, they never got the chance it's rather a if shame he'd been a bit uh, a bit nastier and uh, earlier in the week we found out that Eddie Jones has yeah, nabbed Jones. At Pip- Pippa Grange. Yeah, Pippa, Pippa Grange. Pippa Grange is one of the, apart from Gareth Southgate, I would reckon Pippa Grange is one of the main reasons why England did well in the World Cup in Russia last year. And uh, and yeah, I think it's a bit of a loss to Gareth this because more and more in sport now, especially as people are in touch with their feelings and players are encouraged to talk about stuff, you know, the psychologist, the role of the psychologist is, is even bigger than it's ever been. And uh, probably better than Yuri Geller, who told uh, Alan that uh, they should England should take him. Oh, right. Yes, I'm not sure. Well, he did sure. make the ball move when Gary Mack well, that, took the penalty. That's I mean, yeah, that was his great service I think we've got a bit football. of Yuri later in Clips of the Week. Yeah, we, we have. Yuri uh, pops up. The, um, yeah, I just wonder now, mm. kind of uh, Eileen Drury and everything that went on around that World Cup under Glenn, I wonder what sort of reaction she would get now. In the, uh, you know, I, do, I wonder she how she'd like be, the most important person. I wonder how she'd be viewed. Uh, <laughs> Differently, in, I, mean, I think. I wonder if uh, Ray Parler would uh, ask her again for a short back and sides. I do wonder. <laughs> Probably not. And uh, I don't know if you'd buy one of these, but a smart bin that tells chefs the type of food they're throwing away is cutting waste and saving restaurants money. You think, it's a bit of an odd item, isn't it? I mean, can't you see what you're throwing away? (laughs) Would you suddenly throw it all away in the dark without sort of looking? But anyway, I'm not not buying one. I've got no idea, Andy. You've got me there. So Motti's here. Uh, shortly, and we're going to be uh, taking a good look at uh, the weekend's games. Get his thoughts on England. Yeah, he was recording a trail for your show that you're doing with him. Oh, right. live show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, t- we'll give that another mention in a minute. The um, 
What was I going to say? The, I'm looking forward to watching England tonight. I don't always say that, but I do enjoy watching the team play at the well, moment. Well, you feel differently about it now. Yeah. You know, Gareth's changed the whole thing. You Cut to, be... to the sports bar tonight and we've lost 3-0. <laughs> down to Scotland. <laughs> and they're getting pelters. No, I don't think so. No, you know. I, think, I think they'll be okay. Mm. So it's live on Talk Sport. Just a reminder, we're going to bring you that game uh, live at uh, 7 o'clock here on Talk Sport. Full commentary of that game and uh, saw a lot of um, fans of the Czech Republic out and about we were com- across, coming across London Bridge earlier on mm. a lot of them uh, in the city and sort of taking in the sights of London they all had cans on the go I'm sure they'll mm. behave themselves oh, but, yeah. uh, but um, I think this was fun. about half past 11 they're having a little livener yes yeah, but be no they, they all seem they all seem pretty good humour mm. they all seem pretty well, decent so yeah. it should be a good atmosphere tonight uh, I remember going to see Czechoslovakia play uh, England I think it was Gaza's First game at Wembley, just prior to uh, Italia ninety, he got a couple of goals and played mm. four two. That was a good Czech uh, Czechoslovakia side. I don't remember it. Yeah, uh, would it would have been Czech Republic by then? That would have been Czechoslovakia still, wouldn't it? Of course, yeah, ninety eighty nine. So um, yeah, he was fantastic. That was the night that Bobby Robson said he was daft as a brush. <laughs> well, he was. Yeah, well, of course he <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, and yeah. he still is. And uh, interesting to see that um, Thibaut Courtois made an, another ricket for. Belgium you, don't, you take no pleasure no, no well, yeah. none of us do at Chelsea honestly he's karma since he left in the way he left it's been a disaster for him really yeah. are you really? gutted are you no the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast uh, Martin Kellner of course is with us I think you'll be safe in this segment <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 a week <laughs> we won't go viral you don't think no, depends don't what think you so, say no. I mean you are quite outrageous I can be uh, you're the closest we've got to Howard Stern Oh, bless you. Yeah. I'll take that as a big yeah. compliment. Really <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Martin, what have you watched uh, sports-wise this week on TV? Well, I've watched two programmes. One, I'm mean, going to watch more than two programmes, okay. actually, but two programmes... Well, so we've got about ten minutes. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> well, I was promised to actually bump a bundle this week oh, because uh, I didn't do last week. With oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's very true. Um, but two programmes, one that was supposed to be funny and wasn't, right. and one that was uh, not particularly supposed to be funny and was. Okay. Uh, which we'll start with uh, Harry's Heroes, the English. I'm yeah. sure quite a few of you watched that. Yeah. I thought it was great. I mm. really I really did enjoy it because I mean the great thing about it was, although the quotes bants was amusing. Yeah. Um I know we got the dump button ready. Okay. <laughs> when, when, when they weighed um David Seaman, they were they all weighed in. Yeah. Um and I won't quote it, but no. they weighed David Seaman and some of the people said, ooh, 90 kilos of uh, Yeah, that's right. They, 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 they have certain jokes along those lines. Lots of jokes along those lines. This was great fun. It, it was remind- a bit nervous when he actually says, have you got the dump button ready? <laughs> yeah, you know it's going to be a problem, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I thought it was, it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it, was, it was... It it reminded me of the... You know the Hatton Garden jewellery blag? Where you've got... <laughs> they've got the old gang together. With Harry as Michael Caine. Sort of yeah, very yeah. much so. <laughs> Well, they got all the old boys together. Yeah. It was a little bit like that. I mean, I thought... I, I, the good thing about it, I thought, was it... it, it, it the actual basic idea could have been a kind of a, a bit tired, but mm. A, because of the way they did it and the a- extra layers that they brought to it, talking about the guy's health, talking about Absolutely, life after yeah. football. There was, it, it was, you know, as a basic yeah. idea, it could have been done very badly, but well mm. done to people that produced and directed it because they did a great job. Well done and all the guys that. involved. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Merce talking very frankly about yeah. his gambling addiction, which has, uh, you know, has resurfaced, if you like, uh, and obviously... Oh. 
Um, believe it or not, um, uh, Razor Ruddock is, has got a few problems weight-wise, yeah. um, which we wouldn't have believed. They, I mean, the great thing was, a lot of these people who were on the show, uh, they were st- they'd arrived uh, as veterans of hundreds of reality TV shows. I mm. must have seen uh, Lee Sharp and Razor Ruddock on several uh, yeah. TV shows. But you saw, I think you did see a different side of Razor. He's normally kind of very jokey and upfront, but they're with his yeah. missus and she, she'll get upset because of you know any health issues he could get when they kind of hit him and what could happen to him yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. future it was it was, was all good quite stuff. sobering wasn't it yeah. and the celeb's done a lot for Harry Redknapp hasn't it as well it's done a lot yes. for his sort of broadcasting career but he was good I thought the voiceover yeah. was, Harry's good. Always good. was really but the voiceover was well. I mean you could, didn't quite swallow the voiceover no. he says I've got an idea I wanted to see what would happen yeah. If, oh yeah Russ right Harry it was your idea <laughs> you wanted to see yeah. what would happen the amount happen. of pitch meetings Harry must have gone <laughs> oh, to oh millions right. of them yeah. well, the next thing is he's got I've got an idea for a daytime quiz show yes Doing, I've got an idea for a five-part documentary on Netflix. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be brilliant. I'm off now to go and meet Showtime. It'll yes. be brilliant when he's just flying around these... Mm, yeah, yeah, brilliant. So I didn't swallow that. Also, a lot, a lot of the uh, voiceover was a bit unnecessary. Football managers in cars yeah. drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming to that. Football managers in cars. That yeah. was, well, actually, yeah. With Kevin Bond driving and Harry in the passenger seat and the celebrity in the back. Mm. Maybe they work well, we'll a song. That. Yeah, we'll, we'll pitch that. that. Yeah. Um, uh, one of his bits of voiceover, he said, here's Lee Shaw. Sharpie as we know him. Wow, who'd have thought they'd have <laughs> Sharpie? Yeah, uh, Ian R- Mark Wright, known as Righty, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It was Paul Merce, it was all... But I thought it was good, uh, and I enjoyed that they played a little game against uh, against a boys' club, Ridgeway yeah. Boys, famous uh, Yeah, famous my, son, my son used to run against Ridge, Ridgeway Rovers. You have David Beckham's old yeah, side. Yeah, Beckham's yeah. Old side. Was Harry Kane there as well? Yeah, Certainly Harry Kane was yeah. there as well. Yeah, um, nice club, they're a nice... nice Parents, nice, nice setup there. And, I remember uh, they were giving 175 stones to the uh, to the England uh, yeah, old, really. old, old lags. Yeah, um, so I enjoyed all that. Now that wasn't particularly meant to be funny, but I you know, enjoyed the bits of bant and bants and everything. There's another program um, you've sort of um, obliquely oh, referenced. Oh yes, yes, I know. Uh, comedians, in, comedians in cars getting coffee, yeah. which is a brilliant uh, series that Jerry Seinfeld so, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his mates yeah. like Chris Rock and David Letterman. Yeah. Surprisingly, the programme Comedians Watching Football with Friends mm-hmm. um, doesn't have comedians of the calibre of David Letterman and Chris Rock. Right. I know this will shock you. Um, you have lo- I mean, all these guys who are on it, nothing wrong with them. They've been on your show loads of times, these yep. guys, so I'm not going to slag them off. But what I will say is, apart from the fact that it has comedians... Somebody's obviously seen comedians in cars getting coffee and yeah. thinks, ah, comedians, that's a good idea. Mm. And so if you make the first word of the programme title comedians, yeah. people maybe think it's funny. The thing about comedians, the one thing you don't ask them to do when you do an interview, which you've done loads of interviews with comedians, so have I, is be funny. I mean, they're personable comedians, they're um, they're decent guests to have, mm. etc. They're well known. A lot of them write very well. And perform very well, but that's but if you've got them sitting down in a chair, yeah, it's not the same thing, is it? It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like doing stand up. And but isn't really it just isn't it similar to what you'd see them do on a on a sort of panel show? Effectively, no, it's not. That's the whole point. Right. I think on a panel is it show, like a football goggle box type thing. They're yeah, watching it's, like, a, it's yeah. like a football yeah. goggle box, but with, a, with an co- audience, which I thought was interesting. They've yeah, got, they've got to have the audience. Yeah, well, I think it's just to try and make it seem funnier than it is. But I have right. to say, I watched and I know some of these people, and I like some of these people. Hmm. And I've been on panel shows with some of these people. And when you're on panel shows with these people, what you do is you get the questions slightly in advance, yeah. and that hmm. means you can prepare some stuff, which that. comedians are 
are very good at doing. Mm. Comedians are very good at preparing stuff, writing stuff, performing stuff. What they're not that good at doing, and, and don't ask them to do it because it's not the, it's not their job, mm. is watching um, is just watching something on the TV and coming Gogglebox. Now that is a genius program. Yeah, Gogglebox is brilliant, but. Uh, and I know you, you know, as I say, you know these people and I know these people, um, but it's, it's really... But it's heavily edited Gogglebox to make everybody look good yeah. and funny, yeah. isn't it? You know, I've seen half an episode of the Comedian Show on Sky and I, I, don't think, I didn't find it quite as bad as... as no, you, I didn't find you, it bad. Didn't, no, it's didn't not enjoy bad. It. It's I, just yeah. cheap, cheap, cheap. Right, you know, OK. Which a lot of TV is these days. Oh, okay, it's cheap, well, cheap, cheap. Yeah. If you, you know, you prepare... Not like this bit of radio we're doing. No, yeah. well, radio's supposed to be cheap. That's the yeah. joy of radio. That's the absolute joy of radio. Um, nothing quite as cheap as my overnight show on talk radio, but, you know, it's cheapish. I tell you what I thought was interesting as well. The um, On the Harry show, you know, mm -hmm. Harry's Heroes, yeah. um, was sponsored by Alpacin Caffeine Shampoo. Mm. Now, I don't know if you boys have ever used caffeine shampoo. Does that sort of wake your hair up? <laughs> yeah, your not, hair I've never, you know, I've never used it. Maybe I should get no. some in. And, Very and popular try. in Germany. Yeah. It what, is it, what does the caffeine do for your hair? Well, that's what I want to know. Uh, to make uh, it stick up like Kramer's hair or something. Yeah. Is it like, Possibly. Yeah, it could do, yeah. Or just keeps you... I don't know whether it has one of those effects where it just keeps you active all day, you know, because okay. your hair's had a bit of caffeine. Uh, <laughs> and that's going to be good. It doesn't sound was, right, does it? I also, just just finally, because yeah. um, I, I, I can see the, the hmm. clock here. I'm fine. You've got, you got a couple of minutes, really. Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Yeah. While I'm slagging things off, yeah. uh, the Premier League show, which I usually find quite enjoyable with, uh, with Gabby Logan... It's on an earlier slot these days, isn't it? Half seven's a good yeah. slot. Yeah. Good slot, I think. Yeah, it's, it's um, and uh, I usually quite enjoy that, but obviously this week they're struggling a bit because there's no uh, no Premier League, so you call yeah. it the Premier League show. So they got four people together to to decide, uh, to vote on who were the who are the best overseas players. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a ridiculous concept because they were, doing, they were doing one one goalkeeper, right, yeah. Schmeichel, I think they chose, mm. one defender. So, you know, who's better, Stamm or Vidic? Yeah. Or Virgil van Dijk. I hate all so, this. You know, I, I, I always resist it. it. It's completely unquantifiable. It's just one person's opinion yeah. against another person's opinion. I suppose the joy is in the discussion of it as is you it, try and... Yeah. Well, I mean, is it? Mm. I mean, I'm just saying... Uh, that's, do it for uh, me. That's what I'm, I'm just... No, no, it didn't yeah, really do it for me because you're comparing apples and pears, really, aren't you? Yeah. Say, who's better, uh, Gianfranco Zola or Thierry Henry? Go on, who's better? <laughs> no, you can't <laughs> say. Oh, you put me on the spot. They, well, for me, nonsense. they did a different job. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, they did the same job. They're both footballers. Yeah. One of them wasn't a plasterer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly what you yeah. mean. It's, it's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. And I think yeah. a more entertaining show would be who were the worst overseas players yeah. who've ever played in the UK. Um, who was the worst? You thought about that? There was one I never read, John Dahl Thomason. I, I used to, I used to think, he used to go from club to club, and, yeah. and I never quite did it for me. No, um, I don't I, think everybody could. Not interested. This is the chat either. No, but it's the same thing because yeah. somebody else said, "Yeah, I'm upsetting Andy." That's not. He's not joining in. He's sitting there with his compact, making sure he's not shining. <laughs> he's not part of this conversation. <laughs> Who was the best, Andy Jacobs, or if you got involved in that kind of setup? Who was the best radio broadcaster? What of all time? No, no, it doesn't matter. It's okay. I'm just being <laughs> slightly facetious. I'd say, I'd say that bloke that's on talk radio overnight. He's bless terrific. Bless you. Yeah, yeah. He's Oh, Martin Kellner. Yes. He is good. Yeah. I like him. That's like an old radio yeah. advert. Yes. <laughs> a man of his caliber. Martin <laughs> Kellner. Yes, Martin Kellner. Where can I hear him? On talks. On talks. Talk radio. Uh, just one more thing. Yeah, go uh, on, I know a lot of listeners to your show like to know my idiot best.
bets. Mm. Um, last week, around about this time, I was talking to uh, John Rentoul, who's the political correspondent of The Independent, and we were sort of trying to think if Theresa May would get her deal through. Yeah. And we thought there was a chance that the sort of uh, sensible wing of the Labour Party, the sort of um, people like Lisa Nandy, those sort of people, yeah. might switch, and they'd indicated they might switch and back her vote. Yeah. Obviously, at the end of the day, there wasn't a vote, mm. but they thought uh, she might back uh, back the vote and some other people might back yeah. the vote. I backed it at nine to four. Right. Um, I just had a look at the odds and it was three to one on. She wouldn't get a deal through. Nine to four, she would. I thought, well, that looks good. Oh, OK. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, there we are. So, uh, Martin, you didn't realise that we had four days of top quality racing at Cheltenham last week while you were having a bet on that? <laughs> I know. People do say don't back anything that can talk. Yeah. Uh, which is probably good. Uh, although I didn't do very well at Cheltenham either, actually. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Martin, you are on overnight. Uh, overnight. Uh, talk radio um, and you can hear that uh, tonight and tomorrow between one and five. One and five, ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> I also have a podcast with my daughter. Yeah, you do. Yes, yes, yes right, which is uh, it's, it's a good one this week. You've covered some ground. It you? is a good one. We've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, it's, okay. It's funny, I think. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. So that was this afternoon's show. We're back on Monday from 1. Uh, thanks for downloading us and have a great weekend. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.